0: What's going on, good people, and welcome to Live By the 3, a Raptors podcast with your boy Curly. Give me a follow on Instagram at Live by the Period number three. And on X. Took me a while to get adjusted to calling it X, but you find me on X at Live by the Zero Three. And I'm joined by a first-time guest, somebody that is extremely busy. Took some time to get this done, but I'm certainly glad that she took some time out of her busy, busy schedule to chop it up with us today so i'm gonna quickly rifle through this lovely lady's accomplishment she's the host of swisher the inside of the nba she was the host for fiba's women's world cup in 2022 australia sideline reporter for cbl raptors 905 nba summer league fiba and now sideline reporter for the raptors it is my pleasure to introduce savannah hamilton thank you very much for taking your time today
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for the lovely intro. I'm, I'm glad that you asked me to come on your podcast. It's about time. <laughs> yeah,
0: long overdue, long overdue. But you know, you're just by the plethora of things that I've listed off. You are busy. You are on the grind so quickly. Just give me a little bit of insight onto your journey. How you just grinded your way to now being one of the best in the business, a sideline reporter for Raptors.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm always striving to like. Get better every single day because you know it's it's like a craft like like anything, right? Um, you know I'm not close to being Doris Burke good yet. I would say, but that's that's kind of like the goals of of getting there eventually. Uh, the way that I got to where I am today, I mean, the story I I I tell is you know I had a knee injury when I was in my first year of university. I really wanted to play professional basketball, actually, um, and then that kind of readjusted my mindset. I was studying sport media because I always knew that I wanted to stay within the basketball landscape post graduation, and I like storytelling. Um, and so, when I had the injury, it was kind of some time to reflect and really like ask myself what I really want. Uh, and so, I got back from the first injury. You know, I was like, okay, well, I could still play basketball. I could probably still play pro. But then, unfortunately, it happened again in my third year university. Um, and so that kind of was like the reality crashing down, and I was like, okay probably can't play pro um I got the the notice from the doctors and they're like you know we could put screws in your knee um or, or we can uh you know or, or or you could just not get it you it'll, it'll heal naturally it'd be a lot less painful of a recovery and um uh, but you'll you can't play pro because otherwise your knee's gonna swell any chance it gets basically wow
0: and you you know it's it's pretty inspiring that you just kept at it you know yeah you know, Thank and you. And, it, and you know what, it, it's paid off, you know, and the fact that you could still hoop and, you know, we play pickup and, you know, I still have the indent from in, in my ha! chest when you gave me that elbow in the post and you you finished over top with a nice hook shot. But it, 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 it's, it's, you've been consistent, you know, and you just did not give up. And, and I think a, a lot of people can relate to that, that no matter what is in front of you, whatever the obstacle is, that if as long as you keep at it and you're persistent and you're confident you'll get things done and i think you're a testament to that so congrats to you for accomplishing that
1: no i appreciate that no exactly like it's funny because like when one door closes another one opens and that's pretty much exactly what happened to me like, because of the injuries i was able to focus on media and then kind of put the same level of effort into like what i used to put into basketball into that landscape instead um and then really just like worked a lot of different positions behind the scenes and eventually you know, got to, to become like a reporter and stuff like that. So I appreciate it. And, and uh, I mean, you have a nice shot. Like you have, you could, you could shoot uh, every, every single time you're on my team, I'm always telling you to shoot. So, so I, I, when you're I'm not against my, when you're sorry, when you're against me, that's when I got to be, you know, physical and give you, give you a challenge. So, you know, sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's welcome. You know, I got I got a little love mark on my chest. That's fine. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that bad. It's all I got. When you when you when you're when you're a short king or a part of the short king crew, you know you got to learn how to shoot the ball, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let, let's let's chop it about the Raptors. It's been a roller coaster ride to say the least. The team made a complete 180, and all that with a first year head coach and Coach rykovich yeah. You know, I've been awfully critical of him. Um, just from a player management standpoint, but I think historically the Raptors have had coaches that struggled in that area. But I think Darko is, from the sound of it, a great guy. And it seems like as much as the team is learning, he is learning as as well. So I'm, learned, I'm learning to be patient with him, and I think the fan base should be patient with him as well because it's just a completely different roster, and it doesn't excuse him from, from anything. And the players have have to be held accountable for maybe not executing a game plan or whatever the case might be. But give us some insight on Coach Darko, the person, because I think there's a misconception as to how he is as a coach, but less understanding about how he is as an individual.
1: He's great, honestly, as an individual. He's a guy that will vouch for his own team i mean we saw it like straight up like you went viral uh vouching for scotty you could some people argue maybe a little too hard to call him the face of the league basically um but you know that's the type of support and that the and trust that you want in your coach he's definitely a first-year high coach uh you know he's making some you know, he's, he's learning, he's learning a lot, whether it's like, you know, telling the team that if they win three games in a row they' he's going to buy him dinner out of his own pocket. Maybe he should have said that. Maybe he shouldn't have, who knows? Like, it's one of those things that like, it's kind of harmless at the end of the day. Uh, you know, when it comes to like him as a person, like I said, like, he's just like, he's a great supporter. You nailed it on the head. He's very positive. He's probably one of the most positive people I've met in the industry. Like, Honestly, he's probably the most positive person I've met in the industry Um, next to maybe Jamma Malayla, which is another coach. But, you know, that just goes to show you the type of coaching staff that he's brought in as well. Um, And I think players can appreciate, you know, someone because, you know, I think let's be honest, like uh, there's not a whole lot of coaches that players are receptive to, to to tough love anymore. Um, uh, You know, sometimes like this, I don't know, we call it generational difference or something, but like you know i think you got to kind of work with each other uh when you're at this level you can't just tell them and command them what to do yeah, like a dictatorship basically because you really want to like you know be able to motivate your team um and to get them to to do what they need to do and you're right like you know on on one front when it comes to like on the court stuff he's learning his own team his own team flipped like three times this year like so it's hard to like i i already said it like before on other podcasts like um it's hard to kind of Put perspective, or even like evaluate how, co- how Coach Darko really is when, like you know, a lot of front office decisions were made. So I think the real evaluation starts next to me for me next year when the team is set in stone and when things are like more progressive in, in terms of like development. Because right right now, Lou, all he talks about in all these scrums is like I'm teaching these guys how to close out, like. so you know it's hard to it's hard to judge someone when he's teaching them the basics of basketball in a sense
0: yeah no and and I think that's kind of overlooked by the fan base because we're not there we don't see what's happening behind the scenes right we we only hear whatever you and other and the other great reporters report as well but I think you hit the nail on the head I think he deserves at least this grace period to kind of figure things out and kind of work with the players and integrate new players and I think it's very important nowadays to have a coach that has that self-awareness and I definitely see it seems like Darko has that and also at the same time too what are you telling millionaires that making 10, 20, 30, 40 million dollars like you're going to tell them how to play basketball, you know what I mean? You're going to tell them how to shoot, how to score, how to play defense, you know what I mean? You got to you got to be careful as to how you project those kinds of suggestions. Call it what it is. It is technically suggestions as to how those professional athletes approach the game. So I think that that kind of gets missed. But at the same time, too, he's had to figure things out on the go multiple times. You know, dealing with injuries. Like we didn't even talk talk about that injuries as well. The player overhaul. You know what direction this team wants to go, and I think that he has that basic understanding as to what this team is going to be like he said it that scotty barnes is essentially the franchise player and now it's about figuring out how to build around him and and to not only highlight his skill set but the 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 players of the that just came in via trade rj barrett and and emmanuel quickly as well right
1: yep absolutely no um i mean that's like i mean you just hit everything that i think you know you could touch on basically it's just like between the injuries you know you just acquired rj barrett and emmanuel Quickly and sure enough like they missed like uh iq missed a week rj missed about a week as well in january the same month that they got acquired um then you get kelly Olynyk, that changes the dynamic like think about it like you one player alone could change the dynamic of an entire team now you add two starters that could change the dynamic and then you add kelly Olynyk, who's like a huge impact player from team canada and you know he could argue if yeah if Jakob Erdl- know, wasn't there or wasn't as good as he is in his position. Kelly's a starter too, like so. You know, you're adding these impact players to your team. These are not little pieces; these are big pieces that the franchise has made known that they're kind of like looking forward to the future with. So, yeah, like I said it before, like it's basically like a preseason all over uh, all over again. Every other team that they're facing right now is literally in mid season form, and this team is just like training camp vibes. So, you know, it's, it's hard to judge. It's, it's just really hard to make an accurate judgment when you're just trying to get to know your own team and they're trying to get to know each other, too.
0: Definitely. But let, let's talk about that future. The, the The front office has pivoted, like I said, did a complete 180. And here we are. We went from not having a future by dealing future assets. to so now we have a future. We have a young core. We have some younger veterans, uh, I would say, to help complement these young pieces Uh, Let's talk about the job that Masai and Bobby has done to basically shift the balance from one direction to another, but also at the same time, looks like a promising future with a core built around Scotty, RJ, and Emmanuel quickly.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, it's, 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 I think their direction's great. Like, I think that's exactly what they needed to do. You could argue, and like, they've come under a lot of criticism by other media outlets that, um, they should have made the changes sooner. You know, people have been very critical over the the decision about Fred, and they've taken accountability over that as well. However, they're the type of front office, and this is like on brand for them. They're really patient; like they don't make knee jerk decisions. Um, when it comes to big big decisions, like like changing your entire roster, like refacing everything. And so, I mean, I know that's something that I personally appreciate because, you know, you want to give any team that you have enough of an opportunity to show them like that they could get it together and if they you know listen there's there's only so much leash that can be given and that's kind of where they ended up coming to the conclusion of and then on top of that you know you have this player in scotty Barnes who's just massively talented like could just almost look like he could just turn it on by decision basically like okay i'm gonna play harder this possession and then score bucket like that's incredibly hard to do and talented um a talented player can do and so now it's like, OK, well, how do we maximize him while also having guys who are ball dominant? And that's why they had to get rid of Schroeder. That's why they had to get rid of Pascal. Um, and so that's why it wasn't necessarily working. It's not because, you know, it's never a personal thing. And, you know, Masai made that very clear. Um, you know, it's actually tough decisions to be made. Uh, but that's if you look for like the what's best in the future of the franchise, you know, they made the decision to go young because at least this core can grow together. They could go through the bumps, the bruises, and learning different defensive schemes together um, rather than, you know, Pascal, uh, Fred, and OG and stuff kind of coming from that previous 2019 system with Nick Nurse, a whole different coach, um, and trying to implement things, I don't say their way, but in a sense their way versus like, you know, Scotty, who's, 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 you could say he's still moldable, like he's still adaptable to different things. And not, it's not like those guys weren't, it's just more so like they're very, they're a lot more established. And so when you bring new players in, you could just set the tone in the direction that you want to go in specifically versus having to put, make the coaching schemes around them. Like it's a balance. And this is something that I ask Darko all the time as well. Like what's that balance between, you know, putting... Plays and different um, schemes around the talent versus the talent adjusting to your schemes and your plays and vision. So, and he always says it's it's definitely a balance there as well. But I think it helps when you guys, when you have like younger players that are willing to be molded as well.
0: And I think it's great that they have the young players that are willing to listen and willing to put in the work. And they still have to make a name for themselves. Like OGs and an established player, Fred as well. Same with Pascal. So I think what we're seeing is that those guys had an opportunity to grow together. And, you know, they're all stars in their own right, potential superstars, maybe. And now you have a young core that is essentially going to be going through the same thing, going to have the same growing pains, going to have the same inconsistencies. But in the end, the talent is there. I've been awfully critical of the front office. And the one thing I'll give them credit for is that, they recognize that their style of basketball by having long athletic and less skilled players where you had to teach them how to do offensive, you know, movements. I think they recognize that there has to be a blend. Like you can't lean into one area more than the other, that it has to be a combination of things. And I think right now, the way that the team is looking is we have that healthy blend. We have ball dominant players with shooters, with athletic defenders and so on. And, and I'm willing to to give them an opportunity to see this through. Like, RJ, Quickly, Scotty, let's let's not stick our nose at them. Like, those are talented players. Those are guys that have the potential to be superstars if, if they weren't all together in their own right. And I think the talent is there. I love the impact that RJ has brought since day one. Uh, yeah. I think Quickly it continues to adjust and figure out, you know, how to adjust to defensive schemes because now his role is different. Right, he was all coming off the bench for the Knicks, so this he now he's he's starting. He's a he's going to be the focal point on every scouting report. So I you definitely see that adjustment as well, and you also see the adjustment for for Scotty as well. He doesn't have somebody like Pascal to lean on and and Fred to lean on to be those kind of release valves for him when he's in trouble. Now he's going to have to figure things out, and and I think we all need to have a little bit more appreciation for the process because they're working through it, but you take last night, for example, when everything is humming, they're pretty dominant. And I think the most impressive thing is that they're scoring now. And I think that's something that has been lacking for a long time, that the ability to score over 100, 110 points, even 120 points is something necessary for the today's NBA, especially, right?
1: Yeah, totally. No, exactly. Absolutely.
0: We just dealt with the, the all-star weekend Scotty was an all-star the festivities you know like much of the Raptor season was up and down there were some good there were some highs there were some lows Give me your overall impression before we get out of here with the all-star weekend and is there a way that we can salvage it going forward?
1: Oh goodness um I mean I'm not paid enough money to figure that problem <laughs> out quite honest that's like an Adam silver problem and uh, until I get that paycheck. I will probably not let it live rent free in my head. I uh, hear you.
0: If you're good at something, how, don't do it for free, right?
1: Exactly. However, <laughs> I'll think my overall thoughts on it. I mean, <laughs> my, like, that piece of my thoughts is not, is not, is not that expensive because, like, I mean, it's not great. Like, let's, let's call it for what it is. Like, I think we're all, you know, done with calling it, you know, oh, it could be better. It could be, it's not, it's not good. Like, the best part was Sabrina and Steph like let's keep it a buck facts, like facts. that was because it felt like we we're watching history like the tennis player what's her name i want to say it's like billy um i want to say billy king that Billie jean king. yeah billy jean king there we go uh, that you know was playing against a male tennis player you know and like that's kind of what the vibes were it felt like like in a weird way billy jean king vibes for me at least um where i was like this could this is an opportunity to make history if she Beat stuff. That's huge. Like, you know, it's like that's that's crazy. But then it's crazy because she did not beat stuff. But if you consider all the factors that went into it, okay, she had to adjust her game by like what whatever amount of like feet the difference is between the WNBA line and the NBA line. That alone is tough. And it's even though she could hit threes, no problem from the NBA line in the WNBA, even if that line's not painted on the ground. On a psychology level, like. It's hard to make a, a mental adjustment when it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, I do feel like I'm b- backed out a little bit. Meanwhile, Steph did not have to make any adjustment to his game to to compete with her. So like that's kind of, you could say, quote, quote, an unfair advantage right there. And then when you think about even the fact that she still hit 26 points, which is exactly the same number that Damian Lillard won the NBA three-point contest with. Like mm-hmm. to me, that alone is a win. That means that she's as good as Dame Dollar. Like what does that tell you? Um, and Steph Curry is literally the best shooter in the NBA, one of them. And like, if if not the greatest of like one of all time. And so, sorry, you lost by three points to to arguably one of the greatest shooters of all time. Um, and that says a lot, uh, given all the different factors. So that's kind of was the highlight of the weekend. I don't even think it's even worth to talk about the dunk contest at this point. I think we all have the same sentiments about that. Like mm-hmm. you gotta take a guy from a G League. That's like pretty much a dunk specialist. You know, I don't want to discredit him because he is amazing, but it says a lot that, you know, the NBA players themselves are not even like going into it. Like, you know, Jalen, he was trying to, Jalen Brown was trying to prove something by going into it or trying to encourage other NBA players to go into it. But like, you know, if they don't want to do it, you can't force them to do it. And I've seen better dunks, I swear, sometimes in games. You know, like an easy one that comes to mind is like when Chris Boucher even, Last season took one step in from the free throw line and dunked it from like so far away. Meanwhile, we're impressed by Jalen dunking over a guy that's like so like a short a short king sitting down. So I just don't understand how like how we've gotten to this point of and like also why are we forcing the dunk contest at this point? Like if if, if they don't want to do it, they don't have to do it. And maybe it's probably best to like think of something else. And then the all-star game itself, right? Like I just think it's a little ridiculous that you could touch 200 points. Like that's like are we are, like it's like it says a lot about the offensive side of the game but like like what's next like we're going to touch 500 points at some point like okay like <laughs> what's the point of playing? <laughs> like if, you're just going to make it a three point contest or like and then on top of that like there's I was kind of disappointed when I saw guys doing layups in the dunk contest or sorry in the all-star game. Like you're not even you're not even playing. Like you're doing you're not even making it entertaining at this point. You're just have a fast break to a layup. Like, come on now. Like, it's not like anyone's going to stop you. So, I don't know. Like, that's why I really question almost like, what's the point? I know guys love to be called an all star for the status. And honestly, it comes down to a lot of money as well. Cause mm-hmm. when you have all star on your resume, that that cashes in as millions on, on, sure. your, on your next paychecks, like in the future contracts. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with the All-Star game. But I don't know about you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm along the same lines. I think now the, the idea of being an All-Star is much more appealing than actually participating in the All-Star festivities. I'm with you. I've always said that the three-point contest for, for years, uh, well, up until the, the battle of Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, that the three-point contest is the most exciting part of the, the All-Star weekend, you yeah. know? You want the best of the best to participate. You had the best shooters participating. You had the best, allegedly, for, for the skills. So why not have the best for the dunk-off as well? So I'm personally okay with them just getting rid of the dunk-off altogether. I thought a lot of the dunks this year were very similar. It seemed like the prerequisite for the dunk-off was being able to jump over something or someone. And they they all the dunks had similarities. And I, and I don't want to take away... From anything from them they're they're one of the best athletes of the world but it's not exciting you know and 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 if you don't have the the names to draw the, the fan base like what, what what are we doing like, like let's not waste time sabrina yeah. and steph stole the show by far i i mean i i'm i'm more inclined to go back with the old format like if it's not broken don't fix it go with the you know the head-to-head skills the the shooting stars competition and the three-point contest and i think that should be enough in terms of the game itself, uh, I'm not going to lie. It was entertaining from an entertainment standpoint. I think it was impressive that they were able to hit 200. But there's no there's no defense. You know what I mean? Like you said, layups in the middle of the All-Star game. Like, what, like, what are we doing here? So, yeah. I, I, I don't know how you incentivize them. I don't know how you change it. But I think it starts with the players. Like, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton was playing some defense he was playing hard same with scotty and it was unfortunate that that kind of approach was not infectious so i think it really and truly it's less to do with the nba and everything to do with the players i don't know i don't think money's gonna do it i don't know if you know um draft picks are gonna do it but maybe they should adopt the mentality like they did in and in the major league that the the winning team or the east or the west, whatever whoever wins. Or the east, in this case, that team has an opportunity to get home court advantage in the playoffs. I think maybe that that would be some sort of positive incentive. But again, it begins and ends with the players, and and that's where I'm at with it. Um, it's just unfortunate because you look you look at what it was like in the 90s and into 2000s, like those guys cared. But it seems like now the level of care, maybe making all that money, maybe had that has something to do with it. and I don't want to pocket watch, but there's only so many things that you can tell some of the, one some of the best athletes in the world what to do and guys that are making hundreds and in LeBron's case, billions of dollars what to do and how to look at things, right?
1: Totally. I don't yeah, exactly. and and I there has to be some sort of incentive to play for. It sucks that like I mean, they added the charity thing. I think the Elam ending was one of the best things that they that they did in the past, and I wish they brought that back. I like I mean, you found the two hundred points exciting. I did not. Cause I just like, not okay, exciting. So.
0: It was entertaining. It was. I too <laughs> could score
1: 200 <laughs> points uncontested. Like sure. I know you can too. So <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, all right, like, I don't know. What are we doing? Like, you know, I, I swear, like sometimes, I don't know, like our pickup games are, are fun because we try, you know, Rocks. but like, I mean, I think it, I want to say it was Anthony Edwards that said that the All Star break to him, even if he's an All Star, is still a break. So they're not trying to be like super, super competitive. And so yeah, so so that's that's like that's the thing, right? So it's hard to motivate millionaires to want to get up for this. But I mean, you mentioned like the playoff thing. The only issue is that is that each of the players on each team comes from like different teams, so it's hard to like give home court advantage to like every single one of them. So like, what happens if you have like a Joel Embiid? and a Giannis and they both are in the East and they're winning or whatever. They both won the, their are you know, the East one per se. Okay. Who gets the home court advantage? Like, is it like, who's going to score more or is it, you know, who has the flash again? How do you measure that? Like, so I don't know. There's lots of issues around that. You would hope that like, just for the sanctity of the game that they would want to try, they'd want to like, step up, but it's not the same. It's not the same anymore.
0: It's true. It's true. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. I know you you got to get going. Um, we got the Hawks and Raptors tonight, but Sav, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, this was fun and hopefully we yeah. can do it again much sooner rather than later. Um, I, I I don't know if you have any side projects, if there's anything you want to plug, anything you want to promote, uh, take this opportunity to do so please.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm working on a few things actually right now. um flashing some stuff out. Hoping to get a girls camp actually up and running uh, this late spring. So stay tuned for more details on that. Other than that, you're just like, follow me um, at Sav Hamilton 11 on both Twitter and IG. And then, yeah, let's just flesh out this rest of this Raptors season
0: that's dope and uh yeah let let me know if you need any assistance um uh, on the camp I, I i love teaching you know I, i'm a basketball junkie so if you need a hand uh feel free to reach okay. out and uh, i would love to have you back here much sooner or later and congratulations on all your success and on your continued t- success and i wish you all the best for the rest of the season
1: thank you so much i appreciate it and also thanks for putting up my uh, allergies i got some allergies today so oh, no. <laughs> thank you so much i'll oh. well, i'll come back I'll come back on your podcast for sure. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not done so already, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It'll mean so much if you take the time to do so. And until the next episode, everyone, please continue to stay healthy and stay safe. With good people. Peace.